Hello, welcome to Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. This is an informational podcast, and we hope you find it a valuable tool to help you understand veterinary medicine and how to better care for your animals. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud or by going to lickingvalleyvet.com and finding the education page. While you are there, take a look at our blog section for more helpful information. You can also follow Licking Valley Veterinary Hospital's Facebook page if you want regular updates on released podcasts, blogs, and videos. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to make a donation to the continuation of this content. There is a link to do this on the webpage under the podcast list. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. Hurry! Call 911! The world is ending! My pet is dying! Whatever shall we do? All hope is lost! Cower in fear and turn back, for nay, you have gone too far, and the world smites you for your arrogance! Okay, well, we may be able to calm down a bit. In this episode, we will discuss veterinary emergencies and how to handle them. And my opening spiel was the absolute worst way to handle a veterinary emergency. Really, the first thing to do is calm down. Very likely, your emergency isn't that big of a deal for your veterinarian. Just you. And to make it not a big deal for your pet, you need to be calm to work with your vet for a solution. And that's the problem vets are dealing with right now. We are dealing with a very me-centric world, and as clients, you are not used to being told no, or to calm down. As in, no, your pet is not having a medical emergency right now. Or no, we can't do what you want to do, but if you do as we tell you, this will fix the problem. What happens most times is that clients are having an emotional emergency to a situation. So the first step is to calm down. I don't care what just happened. You have to calm down. You, the client, are the pet's advocate and caretaker. If you cannot think clearly, you will not be able to make good decisions for your pet to get the best of care. Sure, something bad happens and you freak out. I'm a vet with 11 years experience and I see my pets hurt and I can feel my stomach do a twist. But I take a deep breath, untwist it, because I have to for my pets. And yes, you do too. The veterinary client-patient relationship is crucial even in an emergency. I need my clients to be able to answer questions and follow instructions to get the best care for their animal and to give it the best chances to come through the emergency okay. So you see an emergency and you feel your emotional response. You take a step back and you take a few breaths and you move forward. After you feel like you can think again, what do you do next? If you don't know, call your vet. They can help you triage or determine the urgency of the problem and give you the basic first steps of caring for an animal. Realize, and hopefully this makes you feel better, realize there are very few true veterinary emergencies. There just aren't as many things that happen that are an emergency in veterinary medicine. To realize that what is happening very likely has a fix or is not a true emergency. And what is an emergency? 
An emergency is something that needs to be dealt with immediately because of medical necessity. This is different from urgent care, which are situations that need to be seen, but not necessarily need to be seen right now. An emergency is life-threatening and in need of immediate treatment. If an animal isn't going to die or medically the situation does not need to be seen in a certain time frame for achieving desirable results, then it's just urgent. This is where people get upset, I think. They think they have an emergency, but the professional deems it otherwise. Oh my god, the doctor said I'd have to wait a whole week to get my pet seen. My receptionist comes to me more often with urgent things that I feel can be scheduled rather than emergencies that need to interrupt the schedule. We try to accommodate, but often we are saying, this can wait. There are two ways to deal with emergencies like Hawkeye Pierce or Frank Burns from the TV show MASH. Frank freaked out and couldn't identify what was a true emergency or just urgent care. Hawkeye, on the other hand, knew which injuries need to be seen first and which could wait. So what you as a client need to do is educate yourself. And often this involves when a medical situation happens, calling your vet, calmly explaining the situation, and getting their advice so they can triage for you. Even good vets can make mistakes, but in general, they can give you the advice on how to manage the situation. Your vet will guide you through the next steps with the information you give them. So remember, if you give them poor quality information, they can only give you poor advice. So be calm and work with your vet. Earlier this week, I had someone wanting me to come out that day. They had a cow with a wire stuck around its foot. My staff asked the right triage questions and found the cow was walking and eating and drinking. So the animal is stable, not near death. So this needs an exam and a wire untangled. We then wonder what the wire is doing to the foot. If it's been there for a few days and the owner just found it, it's not going to matter if I come out tonight or tomorrow. The damage is done. So we ask the farmer, Yeah, I think you really need to come out now. It's been there for four months. <sighs> okay, is this an emergency? Certainly not now. The damage that has been done has been done. There's no urgency for this other than the client has decided they wanted to do something with it now. The client couldn't understand why I wouldn't run out tonight and miss my supper when after a whole four months he wanted to get the wire out from around the cow's foot. The next example was very similar. The farmer called and was upset that we scheduled him 48 hours from when he called. His animals had swollen faces and were sick. They may die! Well, on questioning, we found that the animals had been that way for three months. Their faces would swell and then get better and then swell again. A few weeks ago, some had died. As vets, we get this type of call on a daily basis. And this one was not an emergency either. Yes, the animals could die, but they could have died for the last three months, and some did. The owner didn't call when the animals first got sick, nor did he call for a few weeks after some of them died. It is an emergency in the owner's mind because they have a sick animal they have finally decided they want it to treat. In the vet's mind, it waited three months. It can wait another week or another two days. These animals may have gotten to the point of it being an emergency, 
but I don't constitute an owner's lack of care pushing a vet into a situation where we have to respond as if it's an emergency. Another one we had about two weeks ago. The dog was sick and needed to be seen, but at the last visit we explained to the owner that the dog was aggressive and a threat to the staff at my clinic. To see it again, we would need the dog to complete training by a professional dog trainer and come back to the clinic on sedative drugs. It had been six months since that visit and the owner refused to complete training and was refusing to give the dog sedatives. This was all while the sick animal was trying to lunge out the rear car window to attack me. We did not let the client get the dog out of the car and we did not see the dog. The client was upset with us and drove off. But this shows another point. If this dog was trained, we could maybe have handled it. If she would have planned ahead and given the requested medications, we may have been able to restrain it. But she planned poorly. She did not plan on the dog getting sick and needing a trip to the vet. It wasn't important to get training in her mind or to sedate the dog. These two refusals of our advice made it impossible for us to treat her sick animal. Poor planning on the part of the client does not constitute an emergency for vets. Whether that poor planning is waiting months to call the vet or not prepping your animal for being safe at the vet is still poor planning on your part. Is the animal sick? Yes. Does it need care? Yes. The emergency was immediate, but the client planned so poorly that when there was a true emergency, it could not be dealt with. The safety of the vet and the staff's health trumped the safety of the patient. Vets and their staff take a certain amount of risk with the job, but that does not mean we will put ourselves into situations to get hurt. We try to prevent problems before they happen. And if the clients won't work with us to complete those preventions, we do not have to serve them. And we have to be safe because in a small business, we work as a team. And one of us being hurt could not only provide us serious pain, but prevent us from providing care to the majority of our clients. I received a call at 11 p.m. one night on the ER specific line. The person politely asked if this was a vet. They needed some information. I told them it was, and they asked what the price of a blood test was. I told them the price. They said they were just price checking and would call back to schedule an appointment. They never called back. Was that an emergency? No. No, it was not. But also, it was an abuse of the emergency line. When you call your emergency line with stuff that could be answered during regular hours, or at that time was on my website, you exhaust a vet with trivial stuff, and then the vet is not adequately rested to deal with the real emergencies. The next example is very important. I had someone call me in a true emergency and ask for my advice at 10 p.m. I gave it and recommended a plan. The owner did not want to follow my plan. She wanted to follow her plan. They called back at 1 a.m., and I gave them my plan again. They refused the plan a second time. Legally, they have broken the VCPR. I don't have to treat them as my client if they won't follow my instructions. Stepping aside from the legal points, I declined treating them for multiple reasons and asked they use their primary vet, which I learned was a large hospital with about 60 vets on staff and 24-7 ER care, 
but I asked them to use their primary vet primarily because they were not working with me. They were demanding I complete certain tasks. This is not how you speak to your veterinarian. You call them for their medical advice. For example, and, and this isn't an emergency, but you call me up and ask me to complete a spay. I will say, certainly, we do our spays on Tuesdays. Is that acceptable? Yes or no. I require the rabies vaccination to do a spay. Is that acceptable? Yes. Then we schedule. No. Then we don't schedule. But the owner does not tell me where to make my spay incision or what suture to use or what anesthesia protocols to use. The same in emergency. You call and tell the vet you have an emergency and you can either accept their protocols for treatment or politely thank them for their time and find someone who operates how you envision. This client wanted to tell me how to get the best results with the case because she had an idea how it should be treated. I am a professional and already have planned how I will treat cases and have found following clients' methods don't usually work. Remember, there is a difference between working with a client versus just doing what a client says. This is why clients have the choice of using another veterinarian. They can use the clinic and the vet that works best for them and their animals. In this situation, the client did not respect the right of the business owner or doctor to run the business how they desired. However, I found via a bad social media review left for me that no other veterinarian would concede to how this lady wanted the case handled either, even her regular vet. Who knows, maybe the client threw as many insults at the other vets she called as she did me. But anyway, so all the veterinary professionals told her to do something a specific way and the owner would not. If you keep getting the same answer from vets in an emergency situation, it may be time for you to change your mindset and come up with a new way of dealing with a problem. I received a call from a friend once. They wanted advice how to handle a delicate situation. They had a veterinarian out who typically worked on small animals. They pressured the vet to do a surgery on a horse. They also pressured the vet to do the surgery in an unsafe place. The vet decided to accept those risks because the client wanted the procedure completed that way. The surgery went fine, but because of the environment it was done in, the horse recovered poorly and had to be euthanized. The root problem here was the vet let the client decide how things needed to occur and put the animal in undue risk. The vet was put in the position where they could have said no, but was balancing the fact that the client wanted the procedure performed in this specific way, and it is the client's animal. So they went with how the client wanted it. This case resulted in everyone being upset. With the 1 a.m. ER, the owner made it clear early in the conversation that she did not trust me to handle important medical cases because she told me that verbatim, hence the insult I mentioned earlier, and that owner was not listening to my advice. There was no trust between the client and vet and she would not follow my instructions or recommendations for treatment. This invalidates the veterinary client-patient relationship and I did not want to go into a situation like that because that animal needed an owner working with a vet they trusted and whom they would comply with instructions to make sure the animal had the best treatment. This ER situation was setting everyone up for failure and I did not want that for the animal. If the owner had not hung up on me, I would have asked for her to find a vet she could communicate with and work with better. 
Everyone knows that medical procedures, even in the best circumstances, don't always go right. So I have found, and this is very hard for young vets, and even experienced ones as I still struggle with it, that I have to complete the procedure in the way that I am most comfortable. Working with a veterinary professional is a two-way street. The client asks for a service. The vet offers a service. Too often, now clients come demanding a service completed a specific way. Clients forget they're asking a vet to treat an animal. They do not get to dictate dosages and how the vet goes about that treatment. In a good relationship, the client and vet determine a way that is manageable for both the patient, vet, and client. This client that called at 1 a.m. wanted something completed a specific way, her way. That is fine. They dealt with this in a non-productive way. They could have said, thank you for your time. It sounds like you have a specific way of working but I would feel comfortable with someone who does it differently. They did not, and their animal didn't get care. But more importantly, for you all listening to this podcast, from this conversation, you have to call an ER line willing to work with your vet. Demanding they react a certain way is likely due to your emotions. You are calling this person as a professional to give their advice and expertise. Be calm and listen to what they say. I have found that referring clients to vets that they may be able to communicate with better when they demand I react out of my advice parameters has been both positive for my clinic and the successful outcome of cases. Be respectful of your vet's instructions for after-hour emergencies. Vets work as a team to get the best care for your animal. If your local vet says go to a more equipped ER, do it. Don't say, you expect me to drive an hour to an ER clinic? Why would I do that for my cat? Where I live, driving 45 minutes to an hour is pretty much the norm for everything. I ended up seeing that animal. The outcome, as I expected, was not the best because I didn't have the staff or tools to help me. The client stopped using me the very next day. We aren't telling you to do something to inconvenience you personally, but are rather triaging your pet with its needs and with the needs of the animals in the practice. One of the problems we have in vet medicine now is the emergency clinics with eight to nine hour waits. Some of this is because of clients and some because of the failure of vets. Clients overreact and are not calm. I've had clients yell at me because their dog has been vomiting and it's an eight to nine hour wait at the ER clinic I recommended they go to, so I have to come see their pet. Well, that's probably a good thing that they are waiting. The ER clinics are trained to be Hawkeye Pierces. They triage. If they are hearing your clinical signs and telling you to wait eight to nine hours, then that means they think your animal is a low priority. That means it is not as severe as the hit by car that is bleeding out. It isn't as severe as the animal who is near brain dead because it is seizuring constantly. So you are getting good information here. This means your animal isn't dead yet. I sent you to the ER vet for multiple reasons. One, there may have been enough symptoms in my mind that it may need their advanced care. Two, you couldn't wait for treatment. Or three, I could not realistically see your pet. Instead of wasting your time and your money coming to me, getting charged, and then going to the ER vet, I get you in line faster. So it's not a nine hour wait, two hours later. This is where vets have problems. 
I don't like telling my clients no. I have to do this a lot and in the emotional situation of emergencies it gets harder. Especially when the client perceives an ER and the vet knows it isn't. The itchy dog may be very uncomfortable but it isn't going to die from scratching. When you pressure your normal vet that this is an emergency, we are not going to give up our free time for that because we know it's not. So we say, if you feel this is an ER, go to the ER clinic. We're copping out. But we need to keep you as clients. We are trying to appease you and get the animal treatment. We know the treatment can wait, but if you want it seen, we give you the option to get it seen. We feel we are making you happy and doing good for the pet. But then you show up at the ER clinic and they are like, um, this isn't an emergency. But we'll, they see it anyway because they don't want to say no to clients either, nor do they want to say no to the vets who refer those clients, which puts them behind for the true emergencies and attributes to the eight to nine hour wait. It's a vicious cycle. It's the responsibility of vets and clients to not overload the ER clinic with non-emergencies so the true emergencies can be seen. Clients need to not overreact because of their emotions and vets need to tell clients to sit down and shut up sometimes. And you have to respect what your vet says. I have told people to go to the ER not because I can't do the after hour work but because I don't have the staff or I am too tired and would not do an acceptable level of work, or because as vets we have ER clinics to give regular vets downtime, or because it is the safest course of action for what people describe to me, or because the clients just can't wait or understand it's acceptable to wait, or the client deems it is unacceptable to wait. ER clinics are a tool for me to get the pet and the client the care it needs. I do not look at ER clinics as me not serving a client, but as me serving a client and pet well. People often tell vets all vets think about is money, and I see this as a true reminder that vets care for animals more than the bottom line. Emergencies can generate money, and we are actively telling you for this situation to see another business and give them money instead of us. It's because we're trying to help you and your pet. And don't get me wrong, I do see a lot of emergencies, but something I've realized being a solo practitioner is as vets, we are all in this together and when I can work with colleagues, it's better for me and the clients and the patients. But back to the ER at hand. You've calmed down. You see your animals hurt and are dialing the vet to see what needs to be done. How do you deal with your animal? First, don't get hurt. Be safe. Sometimes animals react out of character when they are injured and may bite or kick, which causes you to require emergency care, which slows your animal being cared for. Then assess the situation. Is the animal breathing? Is the animal still eating, drinking, pooping, peeing? Is the animal walking? If you answered yes to these questions, it's probably not an emergency. Answer this question. Would you take yourself to the emergency clinic for what is going on? I have had diarrhea in my life. I have never went to the emergency clinic for diarrhea. I have scraped my elbow, but if the bleeding stops with a band-aid, I'm not running to the emergency clinic. Is the animal bleeding? If so, how much? 
If you can count the drops of blood, it's worth a call to your vet as it may need dealt with quickly, but probably not a life-threatening emergency. If you can't count the drops of blood or you see something spurting like a garden hose, you have more of a problem. The good thing is there is a simple step to help out. Apply pressure. Apply a bandage. In a pinch, a towel, or anything will work. Just get some pressure on there. Uh, maybe throw some flour on it. Use common sense. If the animal just bleeds whenever you pick up its foot, don't pick up its foot. The nice thing about bleeding is if you can stop the bleeding, the emergency is over, and you just have to put things back together. The bad thing is, if it's a bleed that is severe, you typically can't do anything. In horses, a fungus can grow in their head, and if it erodes the wall to an artery, it will cause death by bleeding. If you happen to see this start, in about 20 or 30 minutes, the horse will be dead. Is this an emergency? N no, just because of time. If you call the vet, trailer, or get a vet out, the fastest response time would likely be 40 or 45 minutes. The animal will be dead before anything can be done. I had a dog hit by a car once. They called and I was at the clinic in seven minutes and they lived 10 minutes away. The trauma was immediate because the owners had accidentally backed over their dog. I saw the dog about 15 minutes after the incident. I had enough time to snap an x-ray after I heard a weird lung sound. 30 minutes after the incident, the dog was dead because it had bled out in its lungs and died trying to cough up blood from its lungs as it drowned, suffocating in its own blood. There's nothing anyone can do in those situations. If the animal is going to bleed out from an internal bleed in 30 minutes, we can not literally find the arteries to tie off that quick by the time you get them to us. So as I've discussed before, bleeding things need bandages to stop the bleeding, and I generally want to see them that day, but I also know that most cases of bleeding, and this is why I do exams to get more information, if the bleeding is controlled by the time I see the animal, it just needs sutured together. So what are other true emergencies? Colic in horses? Mainly because if it is bad, you may have hours before the damage is too severe to fix. Get your horse walking, hook up your trailer, and see what the vet says based on answering his questions calmly. Dystocias, or difficult births, can be an emergency. A horse needs to have its baby out about 45 minutes after birthing starts. That's a true emergency if you have a live foal you're trying to get out after 45 minutes. In cattle, they generally have a little bit more time. We talked about lacerations. If you can get the blood stopped and the animal doesn't bleed out in the first 30 minutes, that's a good thing. Lacerations certainly move up on the ER scale, but again, you stop the bleeding and get it attended to. Breathing issues. If an animal suddenly is having trouble breathing, that's an emergency. If you have been noticing for the past month the breathing has been slowly getting worse, well, then we have created an emergency by not dealing with it. Broken bones. Broken bones. Probably not much of an ER. It needs stabilized immediately, but it's going to take six to eight weeks to heal. And I don't typically do surgery to fix broken bones in shocky animals. So I'm going to give them a day before I do much with them. There's a spectrum of emergencies. 
Depending on various things the vet asks, your emergencies may move up or down in priority based on your answers. That's why you have to have a relationship with and trust your veterinarian. And that's why you have to be calm when answering questions. I hope this episode has been informative. Really, the most important thing you can take away from this is remaining calm. If you are emotional, you are not thinking clearly. After you get your animal treated, you can have your emotional reaction. But while the emergency is going on, you need to hold it together for your pet. And instead of listening to me, I want you to call your vet and let them guide you with the specific situation at hand. They know you and know how you can triage and provide first aid to your pet. They can give you personal advice to your situation. Just remember, as vets, we've dealt with your emergency before, and we are going to guide you through it. So take a deep breath, assess your animal, stop any bleeding, and call your vet and then let them guide you on how to care for your pet. This will be the last episode for 2021. I'm going to take some time to have a break and take some time to try to write and record episodes for 2022 so I can hopefully keep them being uploaded on a more regular pace. But that doesn't mean stop listening. Listen to the episodes you like again and feel free to email theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. I'm slow to respond, but I do respond. If you have subjects you would like me to talk about or questions you want answered, shoot me an email. I would love to do an episode answering people's questions. I have some ideas for other future episodes, but I can always use more. Be safe and be calm, and let's try to make it to 2022 with as few veterinary emergencies as possible. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nathan. I hope this information was helpful to you and gives you a little more perspective on the world. If you want to reach out to us, email us at theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast and check out lickingvalleyvet.com for information on blogs, videos, and the complete list of podcasts in our education section.